Hello, and welcome to the Weird Geeks Horror Channel, where every Friday we'll be covering a new installment in the classic horror franchise. Warning, this podcast contains strong language and spoilers throughout. Take a little walk to the edge of town and go across the track Where the viaduct looms like a bird of doom as a ship Go to weirdgeeks.com to check out our other podcast series, social medias, Twitch streams, contact details, and news on our very own feature films, albums, and shorts that are currently in production for our publisher, We Are Tessellate. Weird Geeks is not affiliated with any of the rights holders of the films referenced, and no infringement is intended. On a gathering storm comes a tall, handsome man in a dusty black coat with a red right hand. Geeks. 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 Hello and welcome back to the We Are Geeks Horror Show. Every single Friday we take you through another installment in a classic horror retrospective franchise. Right now, tail end of the screams. I'm your host Al White and joining me throughout has been Alexander Chard. Hello Al and Christina. Christina Masses and spoilers. (laughs) Hello guys. That was horrible. (laughs) I'm not a good impressionist. Uh, like the painter yeah <laughs> <laughs> we made it guys we're at the scream wrap up you're new to us hello welcome please head on over to weirdgeeks.com weirdgeeks.com that's not just to be clear because i was listening to a podcast the other day that's not weirdgeeks.com weirdgeeks.com that's not the url no it's just weirdgeeks.com and then i repeat it a second time for emphasis mm-hmm. you get it yeah cool so weirdgeeks.com weirdgeeks.com Sure. Please head over there so you can branch out to social medias, but most importantly, so you can go on your podcast subscription-based device and subscribe to us and rate us because we do this for free. No banner ads, no Patreons, no plugs, no advertising, none of that shit. So the only way you can help us out is by subscribing and rating, spreading the news. Spread it. <laughs> but yeah, once you've done that, come back here. Hello. If you're new to our wrap-up episodes, the way we deal with that, we're going to be talking through all the films. So you don't have to have listened to the previous four Scream reviews if you want to get into those films intensely that's where we do that we talk way too long about dewey and the ups and downs of his adventures through woodsboro and also uh david arquette's acting mm. specifically mm-hmm. as dewey the arc of his skill set but on the wrap up so we're just going to briefly go through all four again so you can just get an overall broad scope of it and then we're going to be going into other stuff to do with the series where it went afterwards and we normally like to talk about you know comics video games books merchandise all that shit there's not much to talk about with screen. <laughs> and then we'll get into our lists and at the end of the podcast we're going to be talking about our favorite kills favorite normally leads but again it's the same lead so side characters normally you'd have favorite masks but we're just going to do favorite killer because the killers change yes the mask does not spoilers <laughs> characters you'd like to see kill we're going to pitch scream five and we're going to do the rankings of all four movies so many to rank <laughs> i know this is such a shorter uh yeah franchise than usual it is it is so first of all let's take a little look then uh oh actually and if you are new i've seen all these many times before. Uh, alex had seen half of them before yep i'd seen one f- and two multiple times three i realized i hadn't seen four i hadn't seen and christina had only seen one that correct? yes yes okay. scream one maybe once there you go. that's our perspective so scream one came out in 1996 budgeted at 15 million dollars grossed 173 million dollars We've been talking about the IMDb numbers and in the wrap-ups, I like to move over to a Metacritic thing. 
Now, I was thinking about last night. I've got both, but would we rather do Rotten Tomatoes or Metacritic? Because there's such a debate about which one is the best aggregate of reviews. Because Metacritic takes an average of everything, whereas Rotten Tomatoes takes a percentage of positive reviews. Oh. I don't know what counts as a positive review, though. Is it when they give it a thumbs up? Is it that simple for Rotten Tomatoes? It's like either thumbs up, thumbs down, and then... No, it gives you an actual percentage, but it's the percentage is based upon how many positive reviews an aggregate of critical reviews gives it. Whereas Metacritic just takes the average score of all the reviews. But when some people change that system, it fucks with that a little bit. Let's go both. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes gives it 79%. Metacritic gives it a 65 so Scream 1, I fucking love this movie. I think the opening is, is just fantastic. It's the thing that sticks in my mind. The rest of it is a whole bunch of fun. There are some scenes which are really bad, some bad writing. Mm-hmm. Some bad acting from Billy Loomis, for sure. Skeet Ulrich. Dewey's being a little ridiculous, but not over the top yet in number one. <laughs> it's pretty wild. It's still pretty wild. <laughs> He's warming up. <laughs> He'll get wilder. But I really like the dynamics in this. I like the pacing of this. I think the dialogue was very fresh, particularly at the time. Now... Yeah, sure. It's a little, it's been played out a lot, but I really love Scream 1. Yeah. Without uh, sort of revealing too much for the rankings later. Yeah. I love this film. I, th- I said it in um, our podcast. I think it's so uh, culturally important. Yeah. And for me, really defines that time period and that, then the genre. I love it. It's great. I also loved it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you love Dewey. Yeah. I loved everything about it. It was really nice to revisit it and to actually really watch it this time. And it was still as great as I remembered it. You weren't really watching it last time. You're like, your head was <laughs> you you know, making out at the back of the cinema. Anything from uh, pre-2017, I don't really remember much of. Pre-2017. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. She's no, really but that was kidding. a long time ago when I first saw it, so... Have you ever gone to a horror movie and made out in a horror movie in the cinema? In a horror movie? Yeah, that's such a staple thing. As I said that as a joke, I was like, I don't know that I've made out in the back of a horror movie. No. I mean, you've seen me watch horror movies, so... <laughs> You're making out with your own nipple. You're hiding. <laughs> Not from memory. I My only really is- remember making out in one movie, but I can't even remember that movie. So it must have been a really good make out. Safe and private, right? <laughs> <laughs> I really, literally, I don't know what it, Wait, what it was. What was so it? So, my problem is I like to sit in the middle of the cinema, which is not good for making out. No, I Christina, sat, in, when I I sat go back, to cinema, back row, back row. Yeah, when I go with you, you like to sit in the back row. So, you're like, that's your you're, you're <laughs> that, set. I was not trying to, to insinuate anything out. <laughs> no, I'm just saying that's where you like to sit, which means that, you know, when you want to make out with someone, you're already in a good spot. That's true. But I I'm also like to spot. sit in the back, back row because I don't know what's gonna, going on behind me. I don't trust anybody. Oh, is that why? Yeah, I get claustrophobic and I don't know, sketchy. I get sketchy in big crowds. Oh, I just remember. Can I tell this story? How rude can we tell stories on this? I think you should tell this story. (laughs) I just remembered something. Go on. When I saw, I still know what you did last summer at the cinema with my girlfriend at the time. We were sitting in the back row and she got so bored. (laughs) She ended up giving me a blowjob. Ow! (laughs) TMI, Al! TMI. I still know what you did last summer. Disgusting. I completely blocked that from my memory. I think it's important everyone has one cinema. You sure? You, uh, you really didn't completely block it from your memory because you obviously I remember it. I think, yeah, I must have, but I think that's where, <laughs> where this conversation came from. You sure I'd... it wasn't Jack Black as a sort of Rastafarian <laughs> groundskeeper that really got, a, got it going? Did you watch that one? I did rewatch that oh, one. Oh, man. 
I used to love that movie and you go back to your life, it's terrible. Yeah, I used to love it too. I was like, I thought it was great when I was a teen and it uh, it doesn't doesn't stand the test of time. <laughs> All right, Scream 2 came out in 1997, budgeted at $24 million, nearly a $10 million hike, grossed $172 million, so it's already on the slight decline of those returns. 81% on Reddit, Rotten Tomatoes, though. Higher than the first film on Rotten Tomatoes. And this is what made me investigate Metacritic as an alternative. Because, are you thinking about the blowjob? Is that what nasties, <laughs> I wish I hadn't said nasties. this. I wish I hadn't said this. <laughs> oh, it's been immortalized in podcast form. <laughs> yeah, 81% on Rotten Tomatoes. It gets higher rating than Scream 1. Can you believe that? So that's why I thought, okay, I'm going to look at Metacritic because maybe Rotten Tomatoes aggregate is fucked. Metacritic, it gets 63 on yeah, Metacritic, which is just under the 65 that Scream 1 got. So very close. Scream 2, yeah, we start with your friend Cotton Weary. Cotton Weary, the greatest name in, <laughs> in horror history. cinematic history. <laughs> <laughs> you might be right. I kind of like this opening. It's not as good as the Oh, no, we don't. Sorry, that's bullshit. Come on, we're just number three. We started the yep. cinema in number two. Yeah, with uh, Jada Pinkett Smith. Yeah. Wait, is that yeah, her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the craziest cinema screening of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and the kill that Christina didn't like of a knife going into the head through the stalls. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> yeah, I like this movie. It's not near as good as the first one. It's already getting into a bit of a parody of itself, but still a lot of fun. And yeah, the opening's cool. I think it's actually a better idea than the first one, but it's not as well executed. I just felt it felt a bit rushed, this film, to me. Like, I could tell it's a year later or under a year later. So I think things weren't quite developed enough. And I think Wes Craven had enough time to get new creative director ideas. Um, but it's a good fun film. What about you? Yeah, no, I, I thought it was really fun. I loved the opening, even though it sort of quite makes sense that they were we had such a cult following when it also felt like it was the premiere of the film. <laughs> Zero sense. <laughs> But it was a, yeah, it was a lot of fun, clearly taking that sort of route of, I mean, they mention it in the film, don't they? Like the second has to be bigger, there has to be more kills and it ticks all those boxes. Um, But I still really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. Um, I thought it was fun. I don't think it compares to the first one at all, but, you know, enjoyed the first one so much and the characters in it that I liked watching this one. Agreed. But I think it was, you know, pretty good on the goofy scale in many pretty ways. The, you like the goofies, as we're about to get to, because Scream 3, 2000, it took a little bit of a break. Budget did at 40 million. They took that break to double the budget, basically. Grossed 162 million, so still on the downward slide. There's a gradual, just like, just keep making less money while they put more money into them. Not a, that's not a good business format, I feel. 36% yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes. 36 Huge drop from the 81% of Scream 2 on Rotten Tomatoes. 56 on Metacritic, maybe a more accurate slide. Definitely the lowest so far, but only by, you know, 10%. Yeah, I remembered liking this one more than two because it definitely does more interesting stuff. The twist at the end. By the way, if you are new to us, spoilers. (laughs) Mm -hmm. The twist at the end to do with the film director being her brother, little nod of the hat to Halloween. It's stupid, but at least they're trying something. And I kind of like they're trying to make all three films mean something as one whole. Like, you know, rather than the sequels, it was meant to be a trilogy. And that's kind of what they play with is like the rules are different if you're doing a sequel to if it's a trilogy i like all that stuff there's some cool kills in here as well but it's really stupid movie like real all of the 
different they're like you know remaking a, a stab movie inside the screen world like you've got jane silent bob in here you've got parker posey who drives me personally up the wall i know you two like her love her uh, i hate her playing fake girl running around with girl. <laughs> it drives me crazy it's so good you got I carrie fisher it. in here which is great it's but great. just so silly i'm not i came back and i was like yeah i'm not a fan of this movie I don't and think. not written by kevin williamson right yeah. This is when Aaron Freddy Krueger stepped in. That's true. That That's is true. not his real name. It's just Aaron Krueger. Yeah, well, we don't know what his real name is. <laughs> yeah, I'm not necessarily a fan of this one, but I do really like certain moments in it. And so my question has been the battle that I remember I used to have was, do I prefer this one to two because I don't like it, but the things it do does well, I like more? Or do I like Scream 2 for just being like stable? That's the question. That's a good question. I'm sure we'll find out the answer at the end. No, I'm not going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really like this. I'm, I'm kind of on the same page as you, Al. The, the sort of the ideas in this I really like. And I do like the, the idea of the brother and her trying to tie in, wrap it in, in, a, in a trilogy. But I just don't, yeah, the, I find it really hard to connect with nearly all the characters in this film, apart from the ones that, that we already know. But there are some really cool bits. I mean, I love the bit where, where uh, Sydney's getting chased through the set of her house. Yeah, like, that was that cool. That whole idea that was really is, cool. is really, really cool. But yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting film, but I'll get into it more at the end. But yeah. You know, it was a fun watch again, as kind of all of them are. Um, I did enjoy this more than uh, the second one. I just thought it was a little bit more interesting. And I liked the sets and um, I love Parker Posey so much. And you know who else I love? Dewey. No. Oh, yes, she does. Who? Oh, Come on. I know. Patrick Dempsey. Yes. Oh, the Dempsey. So, you know, I really enjoyed this movie. Do you guys find since, I mean, Christina, how long have you lived in LA for? My whole life. Okay. Then you're, you're out of this question. Alex, since moving to LA, because I used to quite like films set in LA. Since moving to LA, I've just found I naturally get quite grumpy when watching a film set in LA. Like I've just, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because I'm surrounded by those people anyway, so I don't need to see them when I watch a movie. I want to escape that. Yeah. Yeah. Set. No, I, I do too. I do too. I always get a little, like I get weeby jeebies, but- I thought this was way better than the previous ones, so I give it I give it props. Okay. I just remember to think liking this film more because I used to look at it going, Oh, it's in LA and in Hollywood, that's interesting. And now I'm like, oh, film set on film sets. <laughs> yeah. Drive me fucking crazy. Yeah. Certainly it becomes way more relatable in a in a different way that yeah. um is perhaps less appealing. And then there's also part of me that just feels a little pretentious and snobby when there's like location parts and they're they're painting it as in some part of LA and I'm like <laughs> That isn't actually there. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> but yeah, I get what you mean. And then Scream 4, they took a huge break, 11 years. Or Scream 4. Scream Because they like to put that 4 where the A is. Budgeted 40 million, same budget as the last one. But with inflation would have happened over those 11 years. So technically budgeted less than the last one. Grossed 97 million. People did not care. <laughs> grossed half as much, again, without inflation, so probably grossed a quarter as much um, as Scream 3. 59% on Rotten Tomatoes, 52% on Metacritic, so that's a pretty stable one there. 
I came back to this movie thinking, I wonder how I'm going to feel about it. Cause I remembered really liking it as the only person in the cinema <laughs> when I went to my screening on opening night. Other than, I'll tell you what, I used to go to the cinema in London to see every horror film and I'd go in the middle of the day, opening day, cause I had nothing else to do. I was in a band. So what else are you going to do? And I would sit down and two things would always happen to the point where me and Tom, who would always go separately in a different part of London, would have a running joke. Two things would happen. One, just before the film would start, a pair of giggling girls would come in. <laughs> Classic. Every time we call it, it was the giggling girl plague. You'd just be about to watch a horror movie, go nice, I'm going to have the cinema to myself. And then two girls would come in laughing and they would just continue to laugh around the rest of the movie. And then in this particular cinema, I would also get this really old man who would just come in and sometimes with his wife, like really old. And he would just like hobble in, couldn't walk very well, seemed very nice. And would just sit down in the cinema to watch every, and not just like scream, like the Saw movies, like every nasty movie he possibly could. And his wife would come and eat their little popcorn and drink their drinks. It's probably the only way he could get aroused at that age. <laughs> <laughs> they did sit in the back seat. <laughs> well, you know that's going to be you in like That's true. You know. That's true. if if yeah, if I get there in a few decades. Me. Yeah, I like this movie a lot actually. What I like about it is that it feels very coherently 90s still, which I think is what a lot of people didn't like about it. It feels like it fits within the series. But they update the themes of it. Maybe not perfectly. You know, there are some goofy bits in it. Even to me, there are some bits that are definitely dated already because you're dealing with tech. And maybe if you were a teenager in 2011, which I was not, then you would have more grumbles with it. Don't know. You might be like, this does not reflect my generation properly. But I like that it plays the adults and the teenagers. I really like the twists at the end. I think they're some of the most effective ones. I think it goes on, yeah, was it like one scene, one shot too long? There's a place I'd rather it ended. Or one scene too long, yeah with the whole hospital stuff at the end but i really like this i think the kills are actually the most brutal um in the entire series and it was good to have kevin williamson back wes craven like i don't know. i really like this movie it was cool <clears throat> yeah i really enjoyed it too i liked that it kind of um pulled it back from from the goofy more comedic direction that it was going in and kind of grounds it a bit more makes yeah makes the violence a bit more brutal a bit more real i really enjoyed ghostface physicality in this far more menacing and imposing and less clumsy yeah and the whole idea and, and story was really interesting and the twist was really cool and for me kind of reflecting back like these issues of of social media and being internet famous and sort of fame like inst instant fame is something i kind of feel is very relevant now or certainly something that i'm more consciously aware of than i feel like i was back in 2011 so when i think back to that and think back to the film i'm like well that's kind of impressive yeah to have that sort of foresight yes the kind of tech and the way that they show it is a bit outdated and looks super goofy especially with that head attachment camera <laughs> yeah. mic thing but as far as the themes i yeah i thought i thought it was sort of had a lot of foresight which was really cool i agree with you i think it went for a scene too long absolutely but yeah cool film not giving anything away yet uh, in the beginning i didn't really like it i was kind of like a little like i don't know this is not like i don't know i just didn't really like the beginning i was weary of it and then cotton weary yeah and then, uh, and then as time went by it got me and i got into it and it's it was really really good and the end i loved so i think i just was uh you know i just really needed to give it a chance but was it because patrick dempsey wasn't in it to begin yeah, with yeah 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 it's true <laughs> no i don't know i just thought like i just was like oh i don't know it's kind of cheesy and uh, all these like 
but the fake beginnings it's yeah like the, three layers. the fake beginnings and all the girls and i'm just like nah, i don't know but but um looking back at on it now i i think overall it was a pretty good movie yeah and potentially the best acted oh yeah yeah for sure definitely yeah, some great acting um you know yeah all right, so yeah, the first film I worked out with the help of a calculator, the returns that they made. Because this is, we keep talking about it. We just, we just did a podcast where we were talking about the films of the year and then we're doing, you know, looking at these box offices as well like we do normally for this for the franchise stuff. Box offices, they don't matter. The return is the only thing that matters. Like the, all the box office shows is how much of the public cared, but they don't show how well the movie did. So inflation doesn't affect the return, you know? So the return of the first film was $158 million. That's a good amount to make. Now, we should always point out for people who don't know, the budgets released, it's always sticky whether they include marketing or not. They normally don't. But and marketing is normally the same as a budget again, at least, sometimes more. So yeah, you can subtract the budget again, potentially from any of these. But $158 million return on the first one, $148 million return on the second one, decent chunk. 122 million return on Scream 3 and Scream 4, 57 million dollars return. Ooh. Which, if marketing wasn't included in a 40 million budget, maybe barely scraped a profit, you know, in the cinematic release. Goodbye franchise. Exactly. Goodbye franchise. So Wes Craven was contracted to work on Scream 5 and Scream 6 if Scream 4 made enough money. Wes Craven stated that he he really wanted to see a finalized version of a script before committing to Scream 5 as it had been too stressful on pretty much all the previous sequels having to start production without a completed script. Kevin Williamson was contracted for Scream 5 and had pitches for that and for 6, uh, but he wasn't quite contracted for Scream 6 and never has been. He indicated that in Scream 5, it would indeed be a continuation of Scream 4 following the same characters and continuing playing out this you know, new trilogy, essentially. Can I just add, Al, I showed you this before we started. Um, the way that I spelt Scream 5 in my notes was by replacing the S with a five. Oh, <laughs> that genius. So yeah, creative, genius. Alex. Yeah, that's absolutely what they'll do. We have no doubt. Yeah, so scream. Or it could be read as five cream if, you, if you're unaware, <laughs> of the, unaware of the series. Sounds delicious. <laughs> to surprise, surprise, David Arquette said he would welcome the opportunity to get to play Dewey again in the future because he's got nothing else going on. <laughs> but it didn't happen. In 2013, MTV greenlit the TV series. Wes Craven was originally going to direct the pilot, but eventually ended up just producing. Uh, the Weinsteins were still involved. 2013, Harvey Weinstein, not Bob, who has been, he's the horror guy, for those who don't know. Bob is the horror guy. Harvey is the, the real criminal. life horror guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Harvey stated that he was begging Wes Craven to do a fifth movie because he just wanted to end it. He was quoted as saying, we've milked that cow. And then they went back to talking about the movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so like he just, it's a very weird thing though. It's like, he's like, I want you to do a fifth one because we need to finish this. It's like, why? Well, then don't bother doing a fifth one. <laughs> just leave it alone. And then in 2015, Bob Weinstein told the Washington Street Journal that there was no possibility of a fifth installment or any other further continuation of the film franchise, saying that the MTV series was going to be the right place for the franchise because, quote, it's where the teens reside is MTV. That sounds like an old person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not a teenager nowadays. I don't know how many teens watch MTV. When I'm on the gym, I've talked about it. I put on an MTV to catch up on the music and then realize, no, it's just reruns of Catfish over and over again. <laughs> 
I don't know what teens are watching, but yeah, that not sounds M- like an yeah, old Yeah, not MTV, right? I don't think they watch TV at all. I YouTube. think they just watch streaming services and, yeah, yeah, and YouTube. YouTube. They're watching people play Fortnite is what they're watching. Yeah. Or porn. Or porn. So the TV show Scream was created, penned by Kill Blottervogel. Excuse me? I will not say it twice. I need to look that up. Is it Jill? I ruined out kill. K is right next to J on my keyboard. (laughs) (laughs) There's no way to know. There's literally no way to know. This is a person who had created and written a TV show before called Harper's Island. Did we talk about this? It's definitely Jill. Nah, might be Jill. (laughs) Might be Kill Blotterbuckle. So Harper's Island was the world's first slasher TV series. It came out early thousands i think it was and it was basically let's make i know what you did last summer as like a 12 episode tv show where you're trying to guess who the killer is but it's kind of like i still know what you did last summer because they're stuck on this island so there's a bit of dawson's creek in there bit of i still know what some did last summer in there a lot of people hated it i was just so all over it because it was the only slasher you know it was right at the end of slasher 90 slashes and so yeah it's interesting they got that person back to do the first sort of big budget slasher tv show it would feature a new design for Ghostface, one that Wes Craven was initially very supportive of because it is integral to the story. We'll get to the TV show a bit later. But then he later on criticized the network's decision to abandon the original Ghostface mask. Didn't like it. The series came out 2015. And on August the 30th, 2015, Wes Craven sadly died to brain cancer. The finale episode of season one has a tribute to him. Uh, the series was a pretty big success and returned in 2016 to continue the story, leaving it with another cliffhanger. So, so I know you've seen just some trailers for this. You haven't watched the show. Christina, you haven't watched the show, have you? I have because I'm stupid. I was very excited about this when it was first coming out because, yeah, it was screen back on the TV. So I was happy about that. A bit worried about MTV being involved. Uh, I thought they were going to water it all down. It's a very weird show. I would say if you're interested in it, watch the first episode and you'll know if you'll like it or not. Like it's the formula's all there. It has all the elements that the previous Scream films had. And it's definitely modeling itself after Scream 4. A lot of the technology conversation, there are characters that look identical to the Scream 4 characters. It's very strange. It is not canon and it's not following on from the Scream film. So it is starting its own thing. And it has an, I like its backstory. It's got very, it does more of a horror legend thing. It's creating like a Freddy Krueger Jason character in it. I won't spoil stuff because people listening to this might have seen the films and not seen the TV show. The second season gets a bit darker. I would say the second season's better than the first one. It's a bit slower, but everyone's in a worse place when you start the second season. But the second season does also sort of end with a bit of a cliffhanger. There's a reveal at the end of both. It's, it is very much like Scream. There are literal nods to Scream, which the writer said they didn't do on purpose, but it's just ripping off the films. The second season even begins in a cinema, like the second movie, watching a recreation of stuff from the previous series, basically. Hmm. <laughs> there are a lot of huge nods. It's a hard one because it's one of those shows, you know, when you watch a TV show and you're like, I should totally be into this. Yeah. But for some reason, I just can't. I don't want to watch the next episode. Just a quick question. With the mask change, was that... Do you know if that was partly motivated because the ghost face mask had become so attached to the scary movie films? Or was it just like a trying to reboot, completely kind of reboot the, the series of trying franchise? to completely reboot it. And I will say what I like about the mask. So the mask, yeah, was quite controversial. They changed the mask. Christina, have you seen the TV show mask? No, I didn't even Google, know. Google Scream TV right series. Now. So the killer's dressed in more of a trench coat, which I love. It's more like the Bruce Willis unbreakable look. 
because it looks more real you know it's not running around in a fancy dress costume it's like a real sort of trench coat and then this mask is a spin on the old classic Ghostface mask, but it has a reason for the story. It's a stupid reason, but there's basically a character who had to have facial reconstructive surgery and this mask was used to keep their face together, which I really love this idea. So it has a history in the town why this mask exists and stuff. And it's... it's it's. This mask is a lot scarier. Yeah, that's what yeah, I think. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I genuinely think the design of Ghostface is brilliant in it. Like, I genuinely think it's a scarier, great modernization. And I really, really like it a lot. Um, the show, I mean, yeah, by the end of the second season, you get the normal sort of twists, like in the screen films, of who is the killer. It doesn't go the way I want it to go. And then it still leaves some threads dangling for a third season. But they then took a year off and they've now confirmed the third season is going to be a reboot, essentially. So we talked, I think, briefly about this. I'm very excited about this. They're rebooting it as a six episode third season, which is meant to premiere this year. It's meant to premiere May. Hasn't happened yet. So no one now knows when it's going to come out. It's going to have a new cast, a new setting. The original Ghostface is going to come back, as well as Roger L. Jackson, the voice of Ghostface from the films. He's going to be back. So they're who's replacing Mike Vaughn, who did the previous seasons. So this is really them going back to, okay, we're going to reboot it and get it closer to how the films were. But Uh, still not in the Woodsboro canon. I don't think it's canon, but we don't know yet. And it's still going to be on MTV? Still going to be MTV. I will say they weren't brutal in the second season. There's some nasty kills, easily as nasty as in the movies. I have a lot of hope for this. And because it's only six episodes, when it does eventually come out, we're probably going to have to come out of retirement and try and review that, guys. Because... Depending how close it is to the original Scream films. The series isn't relevant, but this could be. So we'll see how it plays out. Uh, but I'm actually excited for that. I think six episodes is a good length for that kind of thing. So would I recommend it? I would say watch the first episode and you'll get a good idea for whether you want to watch it or not. It's not as good as this, as this films, but it's decent. There's a Scream video game that's meant to be coming in 2021, which is going to be an episodic anthology game from lead developer Brandon David Santos. Uh, this is a guy who did a game called The Chaser in 2016. And I think he worked on Slender, the eight pages, that classic Slenderman game. And he's quoted as saying, the game is meant to psychologically profile you. The story and choices within the game can change drastically based on your psyche. It will play you more than you play it. We were inspired by Silent Hill. There will be a multiplayer component and they're doing a mobile game coming in 2019. I don't believe any of this is going to see the light of day. There's very little information of it out there. He seems to be working on other stuff and on his Twitter account. He's like, oh, don't worry. Scream's still happening. I'm just busy. And I don't think they have proper licensing. So yeah, I don't see this as happening, <laughs> to be honest. And if it does happen, the pedigree of his old games, I don't think it's going to be that great, to be honest. You've heard it here first from Al White. My personal feelings. I can't find any Ghostface comics. There are a few novelizations of the films, but there aren't like expanded universe novels. Alex, can you believe it? Trust me, I know a thing or two about an EU. (laughs) Guys, there's none. We could start one. There's very little around this other than, yeah, you can get some figures. You can get a few statues, not many. And obviously the costume. So I will say, I think that's really the biggest expanded thing from the Scream films is that costume. Like the amount of people who still wear the Scream costume on Halloween, you know, it's such a big, it's just baked into our cultural zeitgeist now as, as a Halloween thing to do. I don't know. I don't know if I've ever seen anyone in the series costume. There must be people who do because that would freak me out more. I wonder if they'll do in the new series if you'll have old Ghostface versus new Ghostface in a battle. <laughs> the battle of the faces. And then they just take off the mask and just whiny teenagers. <laughs> yeah. He stepped too hard. Yeah. 
Are we uploading this on your channel or my channel? <laughs> yeah, you'd have different Patreons. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, we're only 40 minutes into this podcast. Uh, this wrap-up, there's not much to talk about before getting to our list, guys. That's the thing. I really searched high and low to talk about stuff. And it's so weird because Scream is such a big classic franchise and there's not much about it. I couldn't find a board game. I couldn't find anything to talk about. Yeah, it's funny like how much of an influence certainly the first one had on the genre and the films that came out after that for the next maybe like into the early noughties like for the next five or six years oh the noughties but then how it just yeah kind of dropped off i think scary movie coming out quite soon after scream and sort of being the parody and kind of really taking over what scream was culturally i think sort of really blurred people's sort of memories of the franchise and what it was and it became this very much this very goofy thing yeah because it it, for something that did have such a big impact in 96 it's it's hasn't really held in a way that you think it would yeah that's actually interesting if you if you are listening to this and you're young so i'd place you below 25 i guess send us a message at mail at weirdgeeks.com mail at weirdgeeks.com or go onto weirdgeeks.com and just hit the contact button and let us know, do you know Scream through Scream or through a scary movie? Because that's a good point. Like, what was your first yeah. vision of Ghostface? Was it the goofy one? Or is it, yeah. Or is it a TV show, maybe? Yeah. Like, what is the way that you learn about Scream and you ended up here listening to a podcast? Because I'm very interested in that, actually. Because in my head, it's like, well, it's Scream. It's a fucking classic. Yeah. It's like Freddy Krueger. People know that. But I said I was going to tell this story, actually, in a wrap-up. I was in... Oh, did I tell this story on a previous podcast? I don't know. What's the story? When I, was in, when I was in Texas in Austin and I met with my friend Chris and his wife who's really into horror. Did I tell that? No. Excellent. <laughs> Save it for another day. I was in Texas in Austin. Yeah, and I met up with my friend Chris who had moved there from England. And his wife is Texan and she's really into horror. And in her one visit... Well, she had two visible arms. One of them was complete sleeve. And I mean a complete sleeve of just horror icon faces. Cool. It was like Jeez. the Rob Zombie Michael Myers mask. It was Leatherface. It was, you know, Friday 13th. Not all of them yet. She was going to get the other sleeve of Pinhead and people. Did she have Chucky? I, know, I thought there was four. There's definitely Freddy, oh, Freddy Krueger, yeah. Leatherface, Friday the 13th, and um, Michael Myers. Nice. So like the, the, you know, the, the grandfathers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, then I, and then we started talking about stuff and Chris is really into horror as well. And he was talking about some little weird horror films. I was like, wow, I can't believe you've seen that little weird horror film. And I said, oh, we're doing the Scream franchise right now. And he said, you know what? I've never seen Scream. And, I was like, and Chris is about my age. He's a bit younger, but you know, in our bracket, you know, yeah. more like your age, I guess. And I was like, how have you never seen Scream? And he was like, oh, I just didn't, it didn't appeal to me. I didn't see Scream. I was like, yeah, but it's like, even if you hate it, it's very important. Like it changed horror movies for good, really. I mean, not all horror movies, but it was a shift in how horror movies were done. And then his wife, if they're listening to this, I hope I'm not misrepresenting this conversation. I thought she got grumpy with me because like, and I just misread it. She was getting tired and sleepy. And I think we're an intimidating bunch. So when I get off and I was like, you're fucking kidding me. You have to see Scream. It's fucking awesome. And she, she was really like one of those people who's like, no, I like 80s horror movies. 90s was shit. And there were a lot of people who thought the 90s was shit because they were like these much safer, much cleaner yeah. TV sort of actors, you know, horror movies. And she was really, really vehemently against Scream being held up as a classic. And that's what I found weird. It's like, well, you can hate it, but surely you must appreciate its importance in the horror history. And she really didn't seem to acknowledge it even as important. She was like, no, Scream isn't important. Why would he need to see Scream? She was really confused by this, I think. And I found that 
bewildering. I went away from that going, wow, it never occurred to me that horror fans, like and old school horror fans, wouldn't see Scream as an important part of horror history. Because from, is it just me then? I don't know. Because I feel like Scream is very important. Yeah. I mean, I feel it's important because it's clear, yeah, again, whether you like it or not, whether you think it's great or not, for the impact that it had in both the horror films that were produced after it and and the style and for the cultural, pop cultural impact it had, which is evidenced by films like Scary Movie and how that all progressed. Like it, it had a massive, massive impact. And I think that- you can't not acknowledge that, whether you like it or not. But I think so that's I how feel much like it's super important. 80s fans really, that's how much they hate it, you know? Yeah. Just to discredit it completely. I get um, that. Let's so then Chris was like, all right, you convinced me. I'll go watch it. I was like, you really shouldn't now. <laughs> You're going to hate it probably, you know? <laughs> Did yeah. they watch yeah, it? So, I don't know, actually. I would have liked it if during that conversation, it's getting late, they're getting tired, you've stated your argument, and then you just play the podcast one by one <laughs> and make them listen, listen to it. to how important Dewey is. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, there's not much to talk about. We're just going to get into our list then, guys. Speaking of Dewey, we're going to start in a weird way and work our way up to the ranking of the films. Speaking of Dewey... Character you'd most like to see killed. Let's start there, shall we? Okay. <laughs> a lot of characters in these movies. More than most horror movies, I would say. Mm-hmm. Tons of characters. Who are you most frustrated by that did not die in the series? Well, there's not a lot left, right? So there's Sydney, there's Dewey, and then there's... What's her name? Gail. Gail the big right? three. That's all that's left. So Is that really it? Yeah. I mean, people from three were left over, weren't they? Did they all die? I'm just talking about the original. The original ones that are left. Well, I just mean anybody we come across. I mean, what about Parker Posey? Does she die? Yeah. 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 And from four, there's the... Wes Craven says that Jewel Roberts didn't die and Hayden Panettiere's character mm, okay. Okay. didn't die. It doesn't change, change okay. who I picked. I picked Dewey. You want him to die? You love him. Yeah, but I'd rather him die than Gale or Sydney for some reason. I'd rather watch number five with Sydney and Gale. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can get on board with that. I can get on board with that. Was it was Alex? <laughs> I would have been okay with any of those big three that Christina just mentioned dying in the last film. I think if Sydney had died, it would have been a cool way to kind of close a chapter on that part and sort of, I guess, reboot the franchise. And I think it it would have played very well into the idea that I have for Scream 5. I'm not writing it. I think it. you mean 5 Cream? 5 Cream, yeah. <laughs> and I think it just would have had cool residence if like, she's just gone through this crazy thing and she ends up dying, especially at the hands of her, her own niece, I think would have been cool. So yeah, for me, it, like I said, it would have been okay with the any of those three, but, but Sydney dying would have would have had the biggest impact for sure. Is that the one that you'd enjoy the most though? Like I, you guys are thinking, looking at it more sensibly. I'm looking at it from a perverse way of like, who do you just want to fucking see get it? In that way, probably Gail. Gail. Why <laughs> <laughs> like Gail? You know, Courtney Cox just needed a break, didn't she? The relationship with David Arquette was done. Her character was just getting more bitter and frustrated. Didn't have any more writing ideas. Just kill her. It's true. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I wrote down Dewey or Gale. I was just like, we need to move on from those yeah. two, as far as I'm concerned. I don't even mind. Yeah, I think lit- for a literal point of view, a literary point of view, uh, Nev Campbell should die. But I'm happy with her character, you know. It's a good character. Yeah, because like, can you imagine Nev Campbell dying and then just being left with Dewey and Gale? <laughs> yeah, that would be terrible. Yeah, that would be a nightmare. No. They should all die. 
or Doom Town. But the one I think I'm, I don't think he died. The one I most want to die is Sydney's dad. Right? He deserves <laughs> to die. I thought about that too. You've been he a bad, the, bad daddy. He's the worst. The absolute worst. And I want to see him pay. I would love to see like a final twist where it was all about his negligence. <laughs> All right, let's move on to then. Since we're talking about characters, let's move on to our favorite side character. Like we said, lots of characters. We'd normally do favorite lead or favorite final girl is normally what we have. But there's only one final girl. It's Nev Campbell, really, as a lead throughout. So who's she's a great final girl too. She's a way. good final girl. I think. Yeah, I think her performance in the first one is great, but she, she's. I think she's even better in Scream Four. Yeah, I think so. I think her acting is yeah. the best in Scream Four. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Lots side and lots character. of side characters. Who's your favorite? You could pick anybody. Anybody who isn't Neve Campbell, basically. Fine, I'll go first. <laughs> I pick... Um, She's going to see Dempsey. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. Uh, Tatum. Tatum. Channing Tatum. Tatum. No. Tatum Panettiere's character? No. No, Rose McGowan. Oh, yeah. Rose McGowan. Her name was oh, Tatum, really? right? Yeah, it was. Yeah, she was one of my favorite characters. And then besides her, my favorite one is Dewey. <laughs> the one you want killed. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. You should probably warn friends and loved ones that. The more you love them, the more you want to see them die. <laughs> Tatum, Tatum, that's an interesting one. Oh, I love her. What do you love about her? The stripy skirt? Yeah, she had the best outfits. No, I, I don't know. She I, she was just so fun in the first one. And, you know, everything about the first one really, I don't know, just is so classic. Scream. Yeah, no, she's a good choice. So. She's got sass. She's got yeah. some wit. She's the first to kind of challenge Ghostface by mocking him. Yeah. But then she does get trapped in a dog flap, so... Yeah, not so smart, maybe, but Alex. Yeah, you know, like I found with some of these horror franchises, the the things that you initially really just dislike, you end up growing great affection for. So I have great affection for Dewey as well. <laughs> I agree with Christina. There's something about, like, it's just, there's parts of his acting that are just so bad and the character is just so goofy and out of place, but then he has his theme tune. It's just a weird affection I had for him by the end. And it was the same. I actually, I also kind of grew to like Randy. I think he died mm-hmm. maybe a film mm-hmm. too early. Yeah. Oh, he definitely died too early in the series. Yeah. I would say just him and Nev like going out because you have an arc there where he wants to date her. Yeah. Whereas with Dewey and and uh, Gail, their arc's done by part two. Mm-hmm. So kill them in part two. Keep Randy going as this weird sort of friction. She keeps getting new jock boyfriends. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I, I really liked Randy. And then, and yeah, I couldn't pick one. I, I actually, other characters I really enjoyed were all from the fourth film. I liked, yeah, we mentioned it before, Hayden Panettiere's character, just because she was really, her performance was super solid and believable, um, even though she looked a little older than all her friends. I really liked Emma Roberts. His character. I think she's like really charismatic on screen. We spoke about it that she plays the villain better than she does the sweet girl, but I, I still believed it throughout. And I liked that character's motives and intentions. I thought it was a really interesting twist. And I enjoyed um, Culkin's character. I forgot his first name. Is he Rory or Kieran? Yeah. Rory Culkin. Yeah. Rory. Yeah. I really enjoyed his character. And the I way that he played it as well. Say, I though thought you would definitely say Cotton Weary. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. He gets a mention purely for having the best name. <laughs> you don't like the character, just the name. Well, I mean, he was interesting enough in the second one, and then he gets killed right away in the third, no, which was kind of sad. I didn't put a best name category because I thought it was just too obvious. Well, yeah, exactly. No Cotton Weary is the uh, best name in cinematic horror history. But yeah, Culkin, 
I thought like that was a great performance. The character, I think they played like just the way it was written. They didn't force it. Like it wasn't like all the other villains where it was super hammy and you knew all along. Like with him, they 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 played it close to the chest right to the end, yeah. which I liked. Yeah, no, I think he's he's great on both sides. Which I think the problem with a lot of the reveals is an actor can maybe play one but not the other. Like, there's the ones who's like, well, you're obviously got to be the killer because you just, you can only play killer for a while. Whereas even if they didn't know that that's, you know, they were the killer, like in some of the sequels, if all they're cast because that's what they put off, you know. Whereas he could play both sides, the innocent and the nasty at the end. I just looked up on Twitter to see, is there a Colin Weary on Twitter? Because I thought maybe we could be Colin Weary on Twitter. Uh, sadly, there is an at Colin Weary and he lives in New York City. He does not look like Colin Weary, but greatest name ever. I think everyone should follow at Colin Weary on Twitter and tell him he has the best name in horror history. <laughs> My favorite side character, I love Rory Culkin. I like, yeah, Tatum's actually a good one. I do like Randy. He annoys me in some places, but I definitely think he should continue. By far, my favorite character is Kirby. Yeah, Hayden Panettiere's or Hayden Patisserie in Scream 4. She's got what I want from a slasher thing where she can be intelligent. You know, she's dorky. I mean, she's too dorky. She's a fanboy's wet dream. Um, but she's funny, sassy, intelligent, beautiful. But like everything's played off really well and she can act great, you know. And her role doesn't get enough. I'd like to have a... Well, they said she hasn't died. You said so. Okay. We're never getting a Scream 5, so it doesn't matter. We'll see. We'll see. I should say Kevin Williamson recently said like he would consider doing it, but it's hard to imagine doing one without Wes Craven. Nev Campbell said there might be ways, but I think that's just because she's hoping for <laughs> more for her career that's not doing much. Oh, no, she was in uh, Skyscraper with The Rock that just oh, came she's out. she's fine. She's <laughs> doing great. Yep. All right, let's go on to favorite killer then, since we're talking about people still. Ooh. Favorite killer? Yeah. So a lot of reveals, a lot of double reveals, one single reveal, and then another double reveal. So that gives us, what have we got then? We've got Billy Loomis and... And... Oh, wait, I've got the names Stu. here, sorry. Stu? Stu, yep. Billy Loomis and Stu from first the first one. one where they killed... Oh, no. Well, there were eight people that were killed, including them. And then we have... We have Mrs. Loomis and Mickey Altieri. Oh, Timothy by- the Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. All old. <laughs> yes, very old. <laughs> then we have a single killer with her brother. Roman Bridger. Roman Bridger. Don't ever trust a director. And then we get Jill. And Charlie. And Charlie and Scream 4. Who is your single favorite? I'm not looking for a pair. I'm looking for your single favorite killer that you think was the most effective, most creepy. It's so tough, man. Should I go? My favorite- I know. No, go. It's not tough go. for me. Go. Okay. Well, I actually did it uh, ghost-faced. That's what I did too. Yeah, but I could do both, what? whatever. You did what? Ghost-faced. Like- Picked the ghost-face. <gasps> you can't pick ghost-face. <laughs> no, <laughs> but like, no, Which ghost-face no, no. was the best? Yeah, which ghost-face was the best? I think ghost-face number four was the scariest. Ghost-face number four. Yes, yeah. yes. Scream 4. Scream oh, okay, 4. but which one? Yeah, yeah. You have to pick one of the killers. Okay, well, it's Jill. Jill, okay. Yeah. So you think Jill's scarier than Rory Culkin? <laughs> you might yeah. be, you might well, be I correct. Think yeah. She She's kills smarter. more of them, doesn't she? Uh, going through the kill list. But I'm saying like the ghost face, also the ghost face, you know, the the way he moved, the way he talked, right, what he okay. said, his oh, actions, you know? Interesting. Ghost yeah, yeah I didn't necessarily phrase that right. Yeah, okay. That's an interesting one. Yeah, I, yeah I think- you didn't. You didn't. <laughs> all right, guys. All right. Yeah, I think we're all in agreement. The ghost face in the fourth one is the most sort of brutal. Yeah, I had that 
down as yeah my favorite ghost race as well more menacing as i said in the podcast the physicality was really great and for me it overlaps with the really cool sort of motivation for her to to become Ghostface, i really liked as i said at the time of our scream 4 podcast the only issue for me was the reveal then played against the side that i like which was this physical imposing Ghostface because she's like five two or whatever and rory culkin's like five eight or something so that was the only issue. Roman Bridger was pretty cool. Like I really liked the story there, like his intent as being the the sort of half brother and that he was overseeing the whole thing from the beginning. It's just that it, it didn't feel as well executed and, and it was very goofy. So Scream 4 goes face wins for sure. And Jill Roberts. Scream 4, Jill Roberts. Same for you then, Christina. We're really putting a lot of love on Scream 4, i got to say, because, yeah, I'm actually the same. And I had to think about it, so it was painful, quite easy for me. I went Scream 2, definitely not Mrs. Loomis, so definitely goofy. not Timothy so Oliver, fantastic. Neither of them, terrible killers. Scream 3, yeah, I think has the best reason for it. Like, I like that story best, but I don't find Roman Bridges scary. Like, when he takes that mask off, it's always a disappointment for me in 90s slashes when they take the mask off and you're like, oh, it's you. <laughs> It's just not scary anymore, you know? In the first one, like, Billy Loomis, like, he plays it fun, but it's not scary, you know? He's just, like, an idiot teenager. And Matthew Lillard, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. So then it really just came down to number four. And, yeah, between the two of them, I think Rory Culkin acts better than her. Yeah. But I think Jill is the better character. Like, when she takes that mask off, she's got a reason to do it. And you feel, you believe her. You believe she'd do it. Like, she's, none of them are my ideal. There's actually something to do with the TV series that I prefer, but I won't spoil it for people. But I don't really quite follow through on it. And I don't think they'll get to now because they're rebooting it. But yeah, I think number four, Jill. That's a lot of love. A lot of our favorite stuff. So, all right. So, now we can get into our favorite kills. Yeah. I'll, I'll start this one. So... I have picked a top three with some honorable mentions. So the honorable mentions I'll start with first. Tatum Riley, the iconic garage scene, I think deserves a mention. I really liked Alison Brie as Rebecca Walters being killed in the parking garage. Oh, yeah. The reason why I liked it was I just found the last shot of Ghostface stabbing her and resting sort of right by her face, just really disturbing and menacing. Very, very unsettling. And my last honorable mention is Officer Richards from Scream 2 is the cop that was on the um, front of the car and gets his head impaled. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Very gross, but very cartoony and silly. He's like twitching. But my top three are, so the first two, not in any order, uh, police officer Anthony Perkins who gets stabbed in the head in Scream 4 and wanders out. Like all of that is so cool with Ghostface just looking, watching him as he stumbles, ruined by the last line. But everything before then is is awesome. Agreed. Bruce Willis ruins things. Scream, another one from Scream 4 is Olivia Morris. That when they see her in sort of like Freddy Elm Street style, she's across in the other window and Ghostface appears. That one, yeah, like really sets the tone for this film. It's so violent. You see her fight back and get like the stab across the hand and then just the reveal that she's been like gutted and there's blood everywhere. It's just really disturbing and yeah, it really sets the tone. But the number one kill for me, hands down, is uh 
Casey Becker, Drew Barrymore start of Scream. It's just like so, such a brilliant setup. And it's like this big A-list star. Like it's it's huge. It's it's unexpected and just yeah, it's such a such a great opening that I don't feel they ever really recapture um, the sort of spirit and energy of that opening um, in any of the films. And that yeah, and just uh, when it reveals with her on the tree, it's just hands down the best. I'm actually going to jump in next because I have exactly the same. <laughs> the knife in the head and the cop, love it. But the Bruce Willis thing is stupid. The Olivia Scream 4 one is definitely my second favorite. And in terms of actual killing, it's my favorite. Like, it's fantastic. When you go back and watch that, it's like, fucking hell. It's just so violent. And them having to watch it from across the street. And it has, like, all the staples from a slasher movie. You know, like, it's really, really cool. The Drew Barrymore one, like, yeah, it's just the playing. It's the direction. It's the music. And for me, it's, yeah, the parents picking up the phone and hearing like crawling like it's been dragged away is really nasty and chilling it's the only one that actually chills me whereas the olivia one makes you go fuck but you know that this is fun slasher movie kind of way whereas yeah the drew barrymore one you actually go oh i'm unsettled and yeah like you say i don't think any other kill in any of the scream films unsettles me necessarily but christina may disagree with that <laughs> let's hear yours well watching all of the kills together was really actually really hard it really like <laughs> did not make me feel good so I ordered them. M- number one is Drew Barrymore. The phone, the mom hearing her on the phone, the hanging in the tree, everything about it and how long it was. Um, it's still like the best one, I think. And number two is I like this one because it's a classic one. And it's actually one that I just remember, you know, remembered growing up is Rose McGowan with the garage door. Yeah. Number three, which every time I see it, I still really like, I just have to cover my ear because I don't know, just so disgusting is Phil when he gets stabbed in the ear in the bathroom through the door when he's trying to lift. Oh, it's so really gross. upset you when you saw that. I really hate it still. And number four, <laughs> which is kind of really similar to that too, is like you said, Deputy Perkins getting stabbed in the head. Yeah. So gross. You don't, you don't want to die by knife it. to the head is what we've learned about you, Christine. I hate it. And then number five, I did only, I did five. I don't know. She's my favorite, my favorite top is uh, Olivia Morris too. It was just so brutal. And then also it's like the stabbing in the hands. Oh, Oh, that's fantastic. That's the bit that I really like the most is like. So quick. Yeah. And it's like, it's the first time I feel where you see one of the characters fight back and not have it sort of result in a clumsy fall or someone tripping on something. You're seeing like a real violent struggle oh, and it just feels so real and it's bad. just so and then awful. he just crashes her through the window to show her off basically oh yeah. really i hate good. it i love yeah. it yeah okay <laughs> i love it awesome okay so did you guys come up with an idea for scream five i know you did alex five cream i did five come up with an idea, idea for i five struggled cream. with it do you want to rank the films first and then give you idea for it or do you want to say that again do you want to rank the films first or should we do the let's rank the first? films first okay okay cool fine all right christina you go first <laughs> from the bottom up. oh from the bottom up okay i think my least favorite was scream 2 i knew it it's just way too goofy <laughs> I don't know. It was number... That one was too goofy? Yeah. It was so goofy because even Ghostface was super goofy. Well, he puts a knife through the stall into the guy's head. Yeah, I think the opening was great, but everything else was like... Okay, my third least is Scream 3. 
That's purely because of Dempsey. Three is so much more goofy than two. No, so- no. <laughs> it's got Jay and Silent Bob. No, no. I know that was kind of silly. Fall down a hill it, for half an had, hour. It had Dempsey in it, and it had. Yeah, um, there it is. There's the reason. And it had um, Parker in it. I don't know. I liked You're Scream ridiculous. Three. I think the story was better than Scream Two. I feel like Scream Agreed. Two was just kind of boring. No, and the I can story understand wasn't that, that I great. That. I don't. I like that it was at college, but I don't know. It just didn't. It just didn't use it that well. Anyways, and then my second favorite is Scream Four because really, honestly, nothing could beat the first for me in these these types of movies. The first is always the best, and it's what you think about, and it's what you want to watch again. You know. Yep. So yeah. So yeah, that's it. Bam, Scream bam, bam. Number one. All right. I'll go next because I'm going to lead you, Alex, because then you can go straight into your pitch. Five cream. Scream three is at the bottom for me, <laughs> for sure. And like I said, that really became illuminated to me on this watching because I just got so overwhelmingly, not bored, but I guess fatigued, I think is the word. I became quite fatigued in Scream three. It was all the stuff that I didn't like about Scream one taken to 10 times the max, you know, like so much postmodern meta stuff characters playing you know versions of the other characters on screen so much jokey stuff the music went quite jokey unfortunately the handsomeness of dempsey couldn't save it for me the only thing i could nearly save it for me is that i think it wraps up the story quite nicely i love 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 the final moments where she leaves that door open and dempsey's weirdly there with a bottle of popcorn (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I love the ending. I think the ending is very mature um, and feels very Wes Craven. I like it. But number three is number two for me. Scream 2 is my third favorite. Yeah, I agree. It's more boring in idea. I think it's basically just replicating stuff from the first one. So it's less inventive, but I think it does it more successfully. It's got more of a horror tone still, even though it's getting more sanitized than the first film. And it's still got Randy in it, which I like for at least half the movie. The killers are terrible. Though. The worst killers for me in the series. When you get to the reveal at the end, the overacting of Mrs. Loom is off the scale like i don't know how you could fit her and david arquette in the same room (laughs) (laughs) i did i don't know how that works yeah and scream 4 number two what i have to impress because a lot of people clearly didn't see scream 4 and probably still haven't it's just how close it really is for me between scream 1 and scream 4 scream 1 obviously it's you know it's a classic and it does everything really really well and it's probably a bit stale now to new people coming to it but the opening's fantastic and it plays through at a great pace but i prefer the ending of scream 4 to the ending of scream 1 i think it's well other than the hospital stuff i think the reasoning for the killers is great for me, that's just a great double bill. Watch Scream 1 and then watch Scream 4. Like, if you have the time, obviously enjoy all four of them, but those two as a double bill is kind of great, you know? And I'd be interested to know if that works story-wise, if you could do. Like, some people would disappear, Randy wouldn't be there, but if you could just do this and then go, oh, she was so traumatized from the first film, we then skip, like, 15 years, and then we come back and she's returning for the first time mm-hmm. since then. Like, it might play more realistically. I like way. it. Could be good. I don't know. It's a good double bill. Yeah, I love yeah, Scream 1 and Scream 4. I love Scream 2 and 3. They're fun. I could take or leave them. I want to watch it like that now. That sounds good. <laughs> what about you, Alex? I'm exactly the same as you. I knew it. I was wondering going into this where Christina would be with 3 and 2. It had to be controversial. And I, yeah, I wasn't sure where she'd uh, land with those. But yeah, for me, going from least favorite, Scream 3, definitely. Like I said, there's some bits in this that I really like that are some of my favorite parts in the whole franchise, particularly Sydney visiting the set 
of Stab. And I really do like the idea of uh, this half-brother and, yeah, and tie it, sort of tying it all in. But unfortunately, I just don't think it's executed as well. It is super goofy. I don't care about any of the characters. They, they don't sort of have the same sort of rapport and chemistry with each other like the characters do in in Scream when we meet them for the first time at school there's just like an instant dynamic between them all they're all very different individually but I think like you said out in the podcast you believe that they would all hang out these sort of group of very sort of different individuals whereas in Scream 3 I just don't get a sense of yeah they're just like shitty actors all brought together and it's just like I don't care about them why do and maybe it's different for people that are outside of the industry, but I don't know. I just wasn't with them enough to to really invest in the film. And then on top of that, with the sort of goofiness, the fact that Cotton died right away, wasn't so impressed. Yeah, so second, uh, or no, third from the end is Scream 2. I'm, if you've listened to me in the two other horror retrospectives we've done, you know, I'm, I'm partial to the goofiness and cartooniness of sequels in franchises. And so I had fun with this. It is pushing, you know, it's, it's, it's playing off all the same sort of beats and, and things of Scream, but just pushing it further, which it says it has to do and it follows those rules. And yeah, I had a lot of fun with it. It, it's sort of, it, yeah, it, as far as the canon and the story, it feels way less important to any of the others but it was enjoyable so yeah the first the by one and two it's so hard to separate these two for me but at number two i put scream four i really enjoyed this and it's weird yeah that just nobody really saw it i can understand that maybe by this stage it had sort of had its day the way people related to scream at this point i guess was very much tied into scary movie so i i can understand that there was a, a huge disconnect but i feel that i thought it was a great horror film i thought it was as a standalone film it was very enjoyable i thought the acting as far as the whole franchise is concerned is was probably the, the best it was the most solid even david arquette as dewey i felt was probably giving his best performance in the whole franchise that's saying a lot no that's true but i really liked the themes and the 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 whole idea about sort of instant fame and the internet and like i said earlier for me looking back at it it had so much foresight because it's totally where we're at now and with the sort of desperate measures people will do to have their their moment of fame on youtube or whatever and the sort of things that they'll film and the things that they'll do so i thought that was really clever yeah and then for the, the, like those reasons, it's very hard to separate actually the, between Scream 1 and Scream 4. I really like the idea of watching Scream and then just skipping straight to Scream 4. I think that's maybe a way people should go to the franchise. But yeah, Scream, Scream tops it for me just because love it or hate it, I think it had such a huge cultural impact at the time. And I think that has to be acknowledged. I think it has to be acknowledged that this is an important film in the horror genre and especially for that time period. I think if you're going to to look at the 90s and say what is the night iconic 90s horror film that absolutely takes the cake and for how where's craven's new nightmare oh, that that i really love that film too <laughs> but yeah this just certainly had huge sort of effects culturally and and for the genre certainly within the the sort of five to maybe 10 years at a push on the films that came out and i think that that well, has still to be acknowledged now, to be fair like last year happy death day came out and that's 100% trying to get back to yeah the 90s style and then push them into a new generation. Like it still happens a lot now. 
Yeah, um, and so I'm I sure that's going to keep I think you have a divide now of horror films that are trying to go back to the 80s and ones that yeah. try and go to the 90s in terms of slasher. And the problem, I think, is, is they haven't found like a new way for slashers to be done for this generation yet. So they're still struggling a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I definitely, you know, looking back at this franchise, I would, you know, if a person hasn't seen them, I would definitely recommend uh, the first one and the, the fourth one and say that, you know, you, you there wouldn't be too much loss skipping two and three, even narratively. But yeah, that's it. Yep. Alex, you seem to have the most probably thought out. Five pitch. cream. Can you please pitch us your five cream? Actually, all I thought of was five cream. <laughs> <laughs> no. So no, at I- the end, so we talked about this in at the end of Scream 4 in that my idea at that time, it would have been cool if if we had ended a scene earlier with Sydney dead and Jill Roberts being wheeled out sort of with the cameras flashing, getting the fame that she wanted. Now, if we had ended there, then the idea would have been, I think, yeah, and I mentioned this in Scream 4, the idea would have been that Scream 5 starts with jill roberts having the fame that she wants but in a kind of i know you did last summer way there's a killer that knows what she's done and so we have a ghost face going after her because that ghost face knows the truth that would have been the idea the simple idea but obviously that didn't happen but at the same time wes craven did say that jill roberts was alive so my idea is that she's alive and it's kind of similar to what i just said anyway she's alive she's acquitted for her crimes in some easily explainable movie way but she returns as Ghostface to finish the job and kill Sydney so we get Nev Campbell killed really early um and we know at this like immediately that it's Jill Roberts but then then that goes into the sort of I know what you did last summer sort of way where then another Ghostface sort of stalks Jill Roberts because she knows what's happened, knows the truth. Ghostface stalked by Ghostface. But then it like kind of also paints that Ghostface isn't maybe like not not an anti-hero, but like their intentions are to reveal the truth of what's happened. That could be cool. And, you know, you could still have those very sort of relevant contemporary uses of social media and all that sort of stuff. Can it be the Ghostface from the TV show so we can differentiate between the two? Oh, there we go. Yeah. Well, anything can happen in five cream. Five cream. (laughs) Coming soon. (laughs) (laughs) Christina. I honestly Ooh. have nothing better than that. <laughs> Christina, okay. would you watch my version of Scream 5? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, sure, Is there anything you tweak Alex. in that idea? My problem no. when I was trying to come up with a pitch was... The problem with Scream for me is that it's all about the reveal. It's all about who is the killer, what they're doing. They are whodunits. And which for me quintessentially is a problem with a lot with horror movies. Like it's fun to do, but I don't never like the reveal. And then it's hard to do sequels because like, well, how many fucking reveals can you have? I know, that's true. So yeah, I love the thing you're talking about. If they hadn't had that last scene, if Nev had, you know, died, like the whole thing of where the sequel could have gone with Scream 5, which I think was a real missed opportunity. Um, And I think we expand on that more than we in the last in Scream 4. But my thing is like, and no one would ever make this and it wouldn't make any sense for where you would go. But essentially, I want to eradicate. I just want to be able to move on. Like, I would love what, what's unique, I think, about Ghostface is that it's a killer. Unlike Friday 13th, where he stays in territory, Michael Myers stays roughly in territory, Nightmare on Elm Street stays in your dreams. This is a killer that follow could follow people anywhere because they always have an agenda. So I would love to just get out of the normal set pieces. You know, I'd love to like come back to Nev again older like you know and she's living in the deserts in utah or something or in the snowy mountains Ooh, or somewhere. I like these locations have a completely different feel yeah 
And then I would love to, what I, cause I kept thinking about, okay, well, what's got to be the twist with who the killer is? I'm like, okay, well, do you have to have someone who's there the entire time and all this stuff? And I thought for me, again, no one would ever make this. But for me, what I would love is to have a killer where, you know, like in, in the beginning of Scream, when Drew Barrymore takes off the mask, but we don't get to see it. I'd love one where she doesn't get to know at the end, you know, where this stuff happens and there's all these little seeds where you think, oh, it could be because of this or it could maybe be this. But by the end of the film, I feel like the commentary on the modern generation of horror is because of the internet, everyone's anonymous. So like my idea was do one where Ghostface is actually anonymous. So by the time you get to the end, there are all these seeds that are planted and the writer knows. And maybe you let Nev know. I'm not sure. But you don't let the audience know, basically. I think maybe Nev shouldn't know. I feel it should be about the frustration of, no, you don't get to find out, you know? And like the very last bit should be him, like, or her, but killing Ghostface, killing Nev. And she's trying to, like, get the mask off or something. And he stabs her and then, like, uses the voice change and say, you don't get to know or something like that. Or, like, all the scare, you know? And it sounds like the theme of the movie being the scariest thing is the thing that you will never find out. And then, like, walks off, essentially. And then cleans the slate so you could start something completely different in the next one, potentially with a one character Ghostface. Because I'm more interested now. I think we've had those twists. We've had the reveals. I'm more interested in Ghostface being Ghostface. Yeah. And not being Mrs. Loomis yeah. or Jill Roberts. So having one killer. Yeah. So probably Patrick Dempsey. A Michael Myers. No, becomes- no Patrick. <laughs> okay, I did think, but there's no way that this could happen. What if? I mean, come on. It was a love story. <laughs> Sydney, you know that another ghost face is going to come after you, right? It's just like, it's it's inevitable. It's just the same thing that keeps happening again and again. So what if there was a way that she could prevent or find out who is it going to be? You know, like, what if there was a way that she could be like, oh, I know you're thinking about being the next ghost face. I'm just going to kill you before you do it. She kills everybody in the world. Yeah, that thinks Sydney about it. Sydney becomes a terrorist because <laughs> starts taking out towns. But how would you ever know, you know? Get ahead of the problem, Sydney. Yeah, yeah, having a more proactive Sydney. Yeah, why do you have to wait until somebody starts killing everybody? Kill them before they kill you. Which looks like what they're doing with Jamie Lee Curtis in the new Halloween movie in 2018, but we'll see. It's getting more proactive. All right, guys, then we get to the end. We're going to wrap this baby up. It has been a lot of fun. Short and sweet. Talking yeah, this yeah. franchise with you guys. Yeah, it was very short. I had a lot of fun with it. I really did. A lot more fun than The Purge. But yeah, it's, it was a nice little fresher. I hope for our audience as well. It was nice to get like little, some little snippets rather than always the big boys. And yeah, this, uh, sorry, this Wednesday, we because next week you're going to have two episodes from us. You're going to have one on Wednesday, which is going to be Halloween. And then on Friday, you're going to get Halloween 2 to help with the scheduling. So you'll get two episodes that week. And yeah, that's going to be a big fat one that I've got to get into. And I'm doing that with Katie Watson, Justin Macaroni Mariconda, and Alison Holland. Four people for the first time. <gasps> wow. It's a big franchise. Nice. It's a big franchise. And it's our 10th horror season. Technically our 12th with, you know, Danny Boyle and Star Wars, but our 10th in the horror show. Um, so I want to do something big. Halloween is, he's my boy. So I'm very excited to revisit his films. And obviously it's leading up to the new Halloween film in October. But yeah, so it's been fun doing two small ones. Purge, not so fun. Spoilers if you haven't listened to that. I had a terrible time. The Scream, I really, I love going back to these movies and I will keep going back. The one addendum I want to say, I know you watched some other Kevin Williams to me, you know, slashes you watched on what you did last summer and still we've covered that on a previous podcast, your feelings on that. So people should go back and... Definitely go and watch the first one. Especially when you sort of like pair it to 
the first scream, I think you can sort of you can see the parallels for sure, and just like how they were like, here's how we're going to make a more grounded, less sort of goofy version. I think of that. you and I both agreed, maybe just that we preferred it personally, but appreciate Scream is the better or more important movie. Yeah, I, I think agree. That's how we I think that's pretty fair. I will say for people who are listening to this, if you're new to all this stuff and you're like, oh, I want to get into this 90s stuff, there are a load of slasher movies and I'm probably going to do a special on them at some point and I'm definitely putting a list up on our website, weirdgeeks.com, which is going to talk through. I'm actually still in the process for about three years of watching every single slasher movie ever made and it's taken me a long, long time. But I'll get there. I'm ranking all of them. But... Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson did work together again in the year 2005. And this is the only other time they've worked together. And it was for a film called Cursed, where they try to recapture the screen magic in werewolf form. This was starring Christina Ricci. This is starring Jesse Eisenberg, very young boy. Shannon Elizabeth, Joshua Jackson, loads of people. Loads of people. It's all your 90s stars. Yeah, they tried to do screen, but with werewolves, basically. It did not do well. I recently rewatched that. It's not great. But if you want more Kevin Williamson, Wes Craven style scream stuff, Cursed is the place to go to. (laughs) All right, guys. Thank you both very, very much. Christina, how can people find you on the social medias? At underscore hi, Christina on Twitter, on Instagram, and that's it. Alex. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Alexander Chard, A-L-E-X-A-N-D-E-R-C-H-A-R-D. And you can find me on all the social medias and on Xboxes at Mr. Al White, M-R-A-L-W-H-I-T-E. And you can also support our feature film, which is uh, just going to start doing festival runs by following us at Starfish Mixtape on Instagram and on Twitter and the website Starfish Mixtape, as well as the website thismixtapewillsavetheworld.com. Um, yeah head over to Weird Geeks please do subscribe to us please do rate us please listen to our previous shows which we've done a whole ton of and you can also listen to our regular podcast simply called Geeks where we talk about topical games topical movies and we talk about our own lives and what we're doing and all of that fun stuff we're a production company called We Are Tessellate run out of London LA and Tokyo making feature films short films music videos video game apps are coming in the works and other fun stuff as well we'll be back next Wednesday with Halloween 1 until then then i'll miss you guys we're out geeks geeks